0: Have you ever felt triggered or flooded as a mom while parenting? Or just a human being around other humans? Today's topic is going to help you. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone. And way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Today's guest, Jen Lu Manlon, holds a master's in science in psychology, child development, and a master's in education, and hosts the Your Parenting Mojo podcast, which is a reference guide for parents of children under the age of 10, based on the scientific research and principles of respectful parenting. In each issue, she examines a topic related to parenting and child development, from all sides to help parents understand how to make decisions about raising their children. She lives in California with her husband and daughter. I am very excited and very grateful that Jen Lumenlon can come back. This is my second time recording with her, people. Um, the first episode didn't make it because I had a recording glitch and I am glad she could come back again. Welcome, Jen. Thanks so much for having me back, Christy. I um I'm so thankful that you're here because I can't wait to talk about mothering with you because your parenthood story is a really interesting one to me. Um, tell us who you are first, and then I'll ask my big question.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. I my name is Jen and I host the Your Parenting Mojo podcast and it is research based information to help kids thrive um started out by looking at psychological research on parenting child development i uh, kind of wanted to know what does the body of literature say on a topic that i was thinking about rather than what does the one study say that makes it into the news <laughs> and and does that refute or uh, or really sort of reinforce the last 10 years of research on that topic or 30 years in some cases and i uh, couldn't find a resource out there that did that already and so i decided to create it myself so, you were tired of sound bites in parenting? Yeah, I would get these emails from. Uh Baby-related website that uh-huh. should remain unnamed that would say something like five ways to tell that your <laughs> child has a developmental delay, and of course it's clickbait, right? And, uh-huh. and they just want you to see their hands on their page. Um But I wanted to know, like, the really where does the research sit within the whole uh, the whole body of work? And there was nobody out there who was doing that. You know, the the vast majority of, of people who are looking at academic research will maybe read the abstract, or they'll read the press release that came out. Uh, where where the person who's putting together the press release read the abstract and so you're getting things like five <laughs> five things removed from the actual study it's telephone it's the it telephone really game <laughs> scientific telephone and the, maybe the original author really heavily caveated the results and said, yeah, it's like this. And it's, it's just about statistically significant. But the way they wrote it in the abstract really kind of reinforces <laughs> how big it is. And everybody jumps on that. And all of a sudden you're getting something that seems way blown out of proportion than what the actual study found.
0: That's super interesting. So you're a mom to a daughter. Mm-hmm. And so is that you were getting these emails and you were curious, was parenting mothering natural to you?
1: <laughs> uh, no, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah, I had no parenting instinct whatsoever. I didn't even, I didn't like children, I didn't want to have children. <laughs> no desire for it to happen whatsoever. And uh my husband would, he was the one who really wanted a child. And and I would say, you know, do you want to do this thing? And he was like, oh, we should just get to the end of bike season. And then the end of bike season would come around. It's like, do you want to do this thing? Oh, we should just get to the end of ski season. And of course, ski season is followed by bike season is followed by ski season. It's like, well, if you, if you never want to do it, that's fine with me. That's completely fine. But <laughs> if you want to do it, you should probably say. And so he said, well, if it happens, I'll be ready. And so. I made the decision, yeah, <laughs> and it happened so there we go, and then you were had this baby, this wonderful
0: baby, mm-hmm. and no instinct about what to do, which no. is so curious to me, um, as someone that like I chose to be around kids from like age twelve on like I was the primo mm-hmm. babysitter, and mm-hmm. then went to be the after school care person and studied elementary education um <laughs>
1: I worked at a bakery. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, like kids were kind of my niche passion. Like, I was so yeah. curious about kids in self. Um, mm. But it didn't. Motherhood was super confusing. I had failure to thrive babies, and I totally had no clue how to feed them well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how we all got here, and I'm so glad mm. you went to school and decided to show us the science of yeah. these clickbait.
1: I already had a master's degree uh, in in environmental management by that time, and I was like, "Well, I I know how to research. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any skills here. I don't have anyone, you know, any parents really to to model this stuff off. But I I know how to research, and so I I got another master's in education and another one in psychology, focused on child development, and and that sort of helped me to see that I wasn't leaving anything big out, <laughs> um, and and really framed up the the way that I started the podcast.
0: That's awesome. So one of the things you talk about um, is about when parents are parenting and they get triggered by a situation, right? There's a lot of situations with our kids where our bodies respond or our emotions respond. So can we talk about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I like to try to be really specific with the terminology that we're using because uh, we we sort of hear the word triggered being thrown around a lot online uh-huh. these days. It actually has a really specific meaning. It, it, it means it comes from a post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis, and it means uh, a, a difficult uh, reaction that you're having right now that's out of proportion to what actually happened that's really based in a trauma that you've experienced, that what's happening now is reminding you in some way okay. subconsciously or consciously of that trauma that you've experienced. Um, and the the other, if, if we haven't experienced uh, significant trauma, then we can still feel flooded. Which the, the physical experience of it feels very similar, right? We're still mm-hmm. having this huge reaction, maybe exploding, maybe yelling at our kids, maybe shutting or down, our kids, stonewalling, shutting down, leaving the room, whatever. Whatever is our coping mechanism, you know, placating the child. Okay, okay, okay. You can have the ice cream. Just make the crying stop. <laughs> um, whichever of those we fall into, yep. uh, we can still have that if we're just tired or hungry or hangry. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so and then we call that being flooded. So the the actual experience is the same but the trigger triggering comes from trauma background. I find that
0: super fascinating. I love being very specific with words. Um mm-hmm. and that's good to know that triggering actually has something to do with like PTSD and trauma and stuff like that because we mm-hmm. we we throw things around so casually. That then we lessen the importance of what's actually happening.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So how do you know? Is it just your body's response to a situation that we know what's happening? Um, how do we know yeah. if we're <laughs> being triggered or flooded? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a, a really important question, and I think most parents start by noticing. You know, I, I said something to my kid, I did something to my kid, and now I feel guilty or ashamed about it.
0: Okay, and
1: uh, and that's where we can have a pretty good indicator that you are probably not acting aligned uh, in a way that's aligned with your values in that moment. Okay, <laughs> so probably... it's something
0: you reflect on post experience.
1: That's that's where most people start noticing it, right? Um, when when it seems as though it comes out of nowhere there's no way to stop it when it's happening uh, and and when we when we start paying attention to this it's like oh yeah that really crummy thing happened and I shouldn't have done it and I know I shouldn't have done it I can't do anything differently maybe I'm going to apologize to my child um, and, and so they start seeing it after the fact. But one of the things I've seen through really helping thousands of parents understand this better is that you can see these things coming if you can learn to pay attention to your body signals. Right. So your body is telling you throughout the day. When things are not right for you, so maybe you're sitting, you sat just you just sat down to breakfast, and your child says, Mom, can I have the green spoon instead of the pink one?" <laughs> <laughs> and and you're hungry, you're just settled, you're relaxed, and all of a sudden there's this tension in your shoulders, yep, right? Or tightness yeah. in your throat, or the jaw, goes. my jaw, jaw. clenches. Okay, yeah, jaw's a huge, huge sign of tension, uh, sign of tension. And so we just maybe I, we say, "Okay, fine," and then we get up and we get it. But but that that built up a little something. Something in us, right? And then uh, the kids are poking at each other, and 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 that builds up something a little more. <laughs> and or and then they're they touching to you, and you didn't yes. want to be, yeah, touched. Yes, and you your it feels like your body bubble has mm-hmm. been invaded. Um And then they refuse to put their shoes on to leave the house, and <laughs> and all of these things are building. And we notice that tension building if we can learn to pay attention to it. And then that is how we can start to interrupt the cycle so that we're not looking at it from from the back all the time. And, oh, my goodness, this happened again, but actually doing something differently. So how do you learn to pay attention to those body
0: signals? Mm. Like so often, I think. Um, I remember, especially early on in motherhood, I would just go through the day in like a hyper vigilant survival mode of like Mm -hmm. trying to catch all the balls. Like I wasn't really ever checking in with myself. I was always like focused on my kid.
1: Yeah and they, they that's the important point right they weren't your balls yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were the kids balls ching, ching. <laughs> yeah um and so yeah so i think that training i mean that we've had that training throughout our lives um so so throughout our lives we've been told to ignore our bodies it's just reinforced into every aspect of our culture um that that anything that's worthwhile happens in your head, and anything from the neck down is kind of irrelevant at best and useless at worst, so <laughs> yeah, we all wanna be computers. Says- Right, exactly. Yeah. We want to be logical, we want to be rational, right? That's our picture. More efficient, society. more productive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All of those quote unquote masculine qualities are prized and all of the intuition, the the body based understanding is seen as quote unquote feminine and is uh-huh. therefore not valued. <laughs> So, um, so we've been, we've been. When we were children, we knew how to do this, right? Our children know when they're hungry, they know when they're tired. Sometimes they have a hard time navigating. What do I do with that information? But they know. And through the course of interacting with the world around us, with our parents, we learn to stuff that that those those needs, those feelings down, right? When our parents said, "Oh, come on, just take one more bite. You've hardly (laughs) eaten anything," and we were full. And we're forced to take this one more bite, right? I mean, that's a, oh, a yeah. classic. Oh yeah. We had example. a clean plate club at our house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And what are, an on- what an honor it was to be. Uh huh. <laughs> I mean, or there's starving kids club. in Africa if you don't eat that last yeah. bite. Um, yeah. And, and so is it now harder to understand whether or not you're full or hungry?
0: Absolutely. Now that I pause, like it, it, I, I have to intentionally put my fork down. Like I've trained myself to
1: eat slow, to notice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's one tiny example, right? Yeah. Where we learn this stuff in our childhood (laughs) and how it shows up now. And these examples are, operate throughout our lives. And so when we realize that, it's like a, whoa. <laughs> <kind> <laughs> yeah, of like big light bulbs turn on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, and then there are practices that we can do to help us pay attention to ourselves throughout our days so that we're continually checking in. How am I doing? Do, do I have a need right now that isn't being met? Can I take a step to meet that need so that we're operating from a more regulated basis, more of the time and and less likely to explode. And also we see it coming. Right. We see the tension in our shoulders, in our throat, in our jaw, wherever it is for us. And we notice, oh, something's not right here. I need to take a pause. My body bubble is being invaded right now. I'm going <laughs> to stand up so that yep. my body bubble is safe. So, yeah. And, and take that step so that we're not getting to that point where we're exploding at our children.
0: Okay, so before we learn about how to be proactive about it, what do we do after we've exploded?
1: Mm. Yeah. So I think there. I mean, there's so much guilt and shame wrapped up in this, mm-hmm. right? It's it's like, can can I just forget that this happened? Can I pretend that it didn't happen? If uh-huh. I pretend it didn't happen, will my child forget about it? You're, <laughs> you're
0: grinning at like, me like it's never like ever happened like to if you. <laughs> they don't mention
1: it again, can we just not? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Can we forget about Uh it? Um, And I'm wondering if you think back to your childhood, if maybe there is an incident that seemed really big to you and your parent just kind of didn't really address it again.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's what I bring up every Thanksgiving, right? (laughs) It's Uh, the one I bring up. (laughs) I push the bear like, hey, do you remember that one time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so it's still there for you, right? It's still unresolved. It still hurts. And that's what happens when we don't come back to it. When we can come back to it and repair with our child and even apologize and say, I'm so sorry that that happened. Um, And, and, and tell the story of what happened with our child, right? You were, I I was in the shower and we were getting ready to go to grandma's house and I came out of the shower and you must've found the glitter we were playing with yesterday. (laughs) And all of a sudden there was glitter all over the floor and I yelled so loud and I'm so sorry. And, and we're pausing throughout that to, to, to hear our child's version of the story. If they, if they have something they want to add. So we're kind of co-telling this story together um, and that process really helps the child to integrate what happened so that it's not this thing that you bring up every flippin' Thanksgiving for, <laughs> for the rest of your life. Because yeah, we have <laughs> I'm sure my mom's like,
0: we should do this because she's going to listen to this episode and then she's going to be like, so Christy.
1: It seems like we have something to talk about. Yeah. And and what you will probably find is, I mean this is what, decades later? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm forty yeah. and this happened when I was like
0: ten, I think. Yep. Yeah.
1: That 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 poking it every Thanksgiving is not healing. It's not repairing. No. But that if you come back to this in a in a not stressful time and just say, Hey, this is what that was like for me. And maybe your mom says, Hey, this is what that was like for me. And, uh, and, and also I see your perspective, right? Mm -hmm. I can see how it was for you. And, uh, are we still seeing this pattern? Obviously, you know, you wouldn't be having this conversation with your young child, but now that you're much older. Are we still seeing this play out in our relationship in some way? Is there a request I would like to make of you to, uh, to, to be different? Or is there something I'm going to do differently in our relationship so that we're really repairing that? And Mm -hmm. then what you may well find is next Thanksgiving, this is not a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an interesting idea. So it sounds like we can use the
0: strategy of co-telling that story with mm-hmm. any age of person. Like if I yeah. feel flooded with my spouse and react poorly or a oh, best yeah. friend even, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. it doesn't have to be a parent-child relationship to use no, this it strategy really doesn't.
1: with. No, I mean, I, I did this yesterday with my husband. No. <laughs> <laughs> my, my daughter's just learned how to make crepes herself. Ooh. And so I, I was, I was doing work already. She is trying to follow this recipe that she's just about reading by herself. And so I'm kind of back and forth in between, uh, working and helping her. And she, my husband thought we were done. He comes in. Why is the stove still on? Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, because I'm still using it. <laughs> And so, you know, there was a little bit of back and forth there, and then just a few minutes later, I said, "I'm sorry, I snapped." And he said, "I'm sorry too." And I said, "I, I, I was having a hard time because I was I was multitasking, which is always <laughs> always a recipe for what we call narrow window of tolerance." Okay. <laughs> it, it it narrows the um the window that you have to work within where everything feels calm and regulated. So my window of tolerance was already narrow, and it didn't take much to push me outside of that. And so, yeah, I explained to him I was helping her. I was doing my own thing and and i could manage that and when you came in it was it was too much for me to take on um and and so parents with very young ki- children may think well how do i do that with a two-year-old right you just provide more of the story and you provide opportunities for them to say yes or to move towards you or to non-verbally acknowledge that yeah that's what happened and that's how i see it too um, so that you you can do this even with even with preverbal nonverbal children.
0: So it sounds like almost like watching a Daniel Tiger episode and narrating
1: <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't. I confess, I have not seen a lot of Daniel Tiger, but <laughs> I I'm familiar with the spirit of it. And yeah, it, it's it's that same sort of calm, gentle, uh, understanding, mutual understanding of of what's happened
0: that That's really helpful, and it's good to know that you can use it with all ages of human, from yeah. yeah. pre verbal to you know parents mm-hmm. of adult children and adults and all the relationships.
1: Yeah. And I guess if I could add um to that it, th- I think the most important part of it is is coming in with a non-judgmental observation, Ooh. right? So when when you go, when you go to your mom and say, "Hey mom, can we talk about this?" It's not, "Hey mom, can we talk about that time when you really screwed things up when I was 10?" <laughs> or that, time "You have to when come with them. you did dot dot dot."
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you to, have to, to approach it like you're an you, alien in the room sort of. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> So, so, so we're, uh, we're, we're not judging the thing our child did, the thing our partner or parent did, but we're trying to really present it in neutral language. Hey, can we talk about the, the hard time that we had this morning? Um, or what happened this morning? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you need to be a little more specific to right. tell them what it is, that's fine. But uh, if you come in with, you know, can we talk about why you always or you never or
0: <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> words don't help a conversation? No. Always, no, never. It's, it's are those other? Down. are there other words that are important to leave out that are like easy for you to rattle off?
1: Um, I, I, those are big ones in opening. I think one place where I really see parents stumble uh, when, when they start the conversation is the phrase, I feel like, because when, when you put the like after I feel what almost always comes out is another judgment, right? I feel like you're not appreciating (laughs) me. I feel like you're not pulling your weight. (laughs) And so it's that like that really trips us up. Whereas if we can, if we can instead say, I feel, then the next word that actually comes out is going to be a feeling. Yeah. Right? I feel hurt. I feel, uh, dysregulated. Mm-hmm. And, and so that helps us to convey something about what we're feeling without that judgment sneaking in. Without so.
0: trying to put a story on them.
1: Yes, yes, and, and make it out to be the other person's fault. And if you would just change your behavior, right? When, when we're talking about triggers. Yeah. People, parents are like, if, if my child wouldn't do that thing, then I wouldn't need to explode.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I, obviously maybe. that works in my marriage too. If my husband <laughs> wouldn't do that thing, like we wouldn't argue about this. Like it would be yeah. solved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you would just
1: change, then all uh-huh. of our lives would be easier. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately.
0: We can only control ourselves, which is part yes. of the proactive part of this. So let's get to the yeah. proactive part. How do yeah. we help ourselves be flooded less? You were talking yeah. about needs and noticing yeah. needs and things like that.
1: Yeah, that's really at the crux of it. Um, and and before we get to the crux of it, I think one of the most important parts is recognizing this is in us, right? my my triggered feelings are in me they're not really so much to do with the thing that you or my child or whoever is doing um and so if we're trying to get our child to change their behavior we may be successful in doing that and it may help but chances are they're going to start doing something else that pokes our buttons
0: (laughs) (laughs) after parenting for 16 years the the thing just changes it morphs into something else right like my kid who used to only meow when she was mad, doesn't only meow now. She has yes. another reaction that feels yes. just like chalk, the same way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so you can play whack a mole, and you can get them to change their behavior on stopping meowing, and then something else pops up, and and you're continually whack a and nobody nobody wants to be whacked. No. So. Um, yeah. So, so really the key is to, to learn to pay attention to our bodies. And so let, let's give a, a really brief practice yeah. that parents can do anytime, right? So, um, so let's, uh, right now just kind of take a breath, pause for a moment and you can actually open your eyes and look at something in your immediate environment. Okay. Doesn't matter what it is. I would suggest it's not something with writing on it. Okay. Because that makes it harder to focus on the actual thing. And just focus on looking at that thing, how the light shines on it, what its shape is, its texture. Mm-hmm. Trace the outline with your eyes. See the different colors. Just focusing on looking really closely and examining every aspect of that thing. Okay. And what's different now than it was before? Um, my body feels quieter mm-hmm. and I don't have any active thoughts. <laughs> right. Yeah. There is no, oh my goodness, if my kid doesn't learn to dot, 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 then they will never be able to dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh-huh. There's no catastrophizing. None of the things I should be doing. I'm failing at doing. It's quiet mind. And so what can we do with that quiet mind? We can check in with ourselves and say, Hey, how, how am I doing right now? Am I feeling anything? Am I feeling my jaw pain, right? right? That my clenching that means that something isn't quite right here. (laughs) Um, am I feeling tightness in my shoulders, headache? Am I hungry? Uh, do I, am I thirsty? Do I need to get a drink? What need do I have right now that isn't being met? And can I take a step towards meeting that need?
0: and this was part of the big conversation last time that was like a huge aha for me. Mm. And I'm, this is why I wanted to make sure we had this conversation again was the fact that it may be hard for a parent to a mother in particular to identify what needs are. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that being, having needs is just part of being human and, um, that moms are still human, right? Like we're mothering and raising humans while being a human and we have to let ourselves be human.
1: Yeah, despite all of society's messages that uh, (laughs) we should give everything to our children and not have any needs ourselves, um, particularly if we're female identifying and we're supposed to manage the emotional climate of the family Mm -hmm. and our needs come last. Yeah. And so when we're starting to think about our needs, most parents I work with, uh, end up latching onto a strategy, right? Like mm-hmm. my, my strategy is I, I want 30 minutes to myself right now or I want to walk outside. Right. And. What, if we can back that up to the level of needs, what is the real need that's underlying this, right? If I want 30 minutes to myself, is it that I'm looking for quiet? Is it that I, uh, am interested in learning something and I want to read while I'm in my 30 minutes by myself? What is actually underneath yeah. that? Um, and you can, you can find needs lists online. Sometimes they can be long and a bit overwhelming. So when I work with parents, I tend to shorten them down into the most common needs that parents face. Um, and, and really when we look for that need, we find, oh yeah, I could be in my room by myself right now, or I could actually be out in the living room while my kids play nearby and listening to a podcast. So, um, there are, there are always many, many, many ways to meet a need. And I've experienced this during my husband's deployments that I
0: realized I needed movement. Um, Mm -hmm. but movement was hard to get. Without childcare being readily, yeah, and so mm-hmm. I had to figure out like, oh, I could do yoga in the middle of the playground, yeah, and stand in a tree pose and practice balance things and be okay with that. Um, that while my kids were at the playground, I could do something for me, yeah. And still be yeah. safe with them. Yeah. And if, if
1: your strategy was, I have to go for a run. <laughs> yeah. Then, then it seems like there's no way to meet that need to, to meet our child's need for play and, and joy and, and time outside. Right. And our need to, uh, for movement. But when you, when what you did was you, you saw that underlying need and you said, what are some of the many ways that I can meet that need? And you found one that can meet your child's need and your need at the same time. Yeah, it takes work. <laughs> it does. It's it's a little harder in the beginning because we're so used to latching on to strategies. But once you get the uh, the switch yeah. what what really is my need right now, then having so many options to meet that need opens up worlds of possibility. Um because when your children are doing things that are driving you up the wall. They're doing it to meet one of their needs. And we can almost always help them to meet one of their needs in a way that doesn't drive us up the wall.
0: (laughs) I think that's a light bulb moment. Can you say that one more time very clearly?
1: (laughs) So when our children are doing things that are driving us up the wall, they're doing it because it's trying to meet a need of theirs. So they're jumping on the couch, they're doing whatever you've told them to do 500 times that you don't like them doing. They're doing it to, not because they want to jump on the couch, but to meet a need for maybe joy and play and movement. Yeah. So when we see that underlying need, we can say, okay, is there another way that I can help you to meet that need? Maybe our our couch is pretty fragile, so but you can jump on the bed. (laughs) The bed is fine. The bed is not going to collapse. So you can meet your need for joy and play and movement and I can m- meet my need for respect for our property. And lo and behold, I don't, I don't get in a big tizzy about it. Yeah.
0: That's really important to be able to yeah. pause, but it's like, that's something you had to work on in the moment, right? Like,
1: well, where it comes from is being aware of seeing it coming, right? We talked about re-regulating mm-hmm. throughout our days, taking these little pauses so that we're not operating at this High sort of uh-huh. uh, t- level of tension. The, the, the level
0: of high threat.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So we're bringing that down so that we are more able to regulate ourselves throughout the day. And then when our child starts to jump on the couch, we can pause and instead of, I told you yesterday not to jump <laughs> on the couch. We can pause and say, hmm, this feels hard. <laughs> And, and that's not an overnight kind of practice, right? There's going to be plenty of times when we we think to ourselves, Oh yeah, I should pause in this moment. Stop jumping on the couch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and we can't see until afterwards. Oh, I did it again. And, and that to me is one of the hardest periods because it's like, I know what I want to do and I just can not do it. Yeah. But if we keep focusing on it, we keep practicing, we create that little mini pause. Mm-hmm. And from there, we take a breath and then I'm thinking why is this hard for me? What need am I trying to meet? What need <laughs> is my child trying to meet? Is there a way we can meet both of our needs? Yeah? And 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 we can even have conversations with our children once we get more used to this of where where they can tell us what their needs are and uh, and come up and help us to come up with ways to meet both of our needs. So what are the most common needs that parents don't
0: recognize that they have?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually writing a book uh, on the intersection of parenting Yippee! and social justice. Uh, <laughs> and it's about how the ways that we interact with our children affect the ways that our children go out and, and be in the world. Um, and I the, the, the concept that I thought of to, to help parents understand this is what I call the needs cupcake. Okay. So if you imagine a cupcake, it's got a cherry on top. And then there's some frosting and a cupcake underneath. And if we actually start with our child's needs, um, some of our child's most common needs might be safety mm-hmm. and movement and connection with us, right? The three to five that form that cherry, yeah. that when when our child is dysregulated, we can look at that those cherry needs and think, okay, are there cherry needs met? And then, okay, if we see one that isn't met, we try and meet that. If it seems like the cherry needs are met, we look to the frosting. What are the next three to five needs that they mm-hmm. often have? Um, and if those are met, then we we look at the whole rest of the list. So what that does is means that we're not trying to look at a list of 50 needs and say, well, which one is it, for goodness sake? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's the same three to five, the same three to five, and then consider a broader list. And so when our children are looking for joy, play, connection with us, and, and often autonomy, What, where that often butts up with, with us is when we have a need for ease and collaboration. Right? Yep. I want my child to work with me on this. I want to feel as though we're on a team together and it's not me trying to get them to do something. And I want to feel more ease for goodness sake. And so what that helps us to do is to see, okay, when I can help my child meet their needs for joy and play and movement connection and and autonomy, right, they get to actually make real decisions about their lives, my needs for ease and collaboration get met as well as a byproduct of meeting their needs. And then my life gets easier. I love that ease can be a need. And
0: that was oh, mind-blowing yeah. to me. Like, I remember last time we talked, I texted a friend right away. I was like, do you believe it? Like, is ease actually a need? Like, I had to really wrestle with the idea that ease could be a need.
1: Right, because our culture says that anything worth doing is going to be hard in some We way. do hard things, yeah. Yes, like, all we the can slogans. Do hard things. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not hard, you're not pushing yourself enough. Yeah, all the good things are hard in life. Yes. Yeah, it's not true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really wrestled less than we talked about that. Um, yeah. and, and so it's interesting to me. So if anyone else is struggling with the idea of ease, like getting out the door, I want to be easy. Right. Um, but like the idea that other parts, that ease could show up in other ways, mm-hmm. um, is important to note. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So I have a challenge that I would love for you you? to coach me on (laughs) (laughs) because this is what you do best. You shine
1: here. So, um, what, do I just explain what happened or do you want to coach? give me a few sentences on, on roughly what happened and then I can ask more questions. Okay. So, um, my child was
0: really struggling, um, and asked me to help advocate for her and collaborate some other options. And so I worked with other adults that she was nervous to talk to and um, got a second option for her to choose from and then and then she said she didn't want it anymore. Mm.
1: Okay So can you tell me what it, what is the what's the struggle
0: and what are the options? Um, so the struggle was she was struggling in one of her extracurricular classes and she wanted to know if there was a choice she could make for a second semester, right? Like, was there an option to make this easier for her because mm-hmm. she didn't feel safe or respected in this class?
1: Okay. Wow. The, and did she use those words safe and respected?
0: Um, she definitely used the word respected. Um, mm-hmm. like she didn't feel like the teacher was a respectful person. He, he felt right. demeaning.
1: Okay. Uh, it's slight judgment creeping in there. But. Yeah, <laughs> yep, you're right. <laughs> I feel like you're demeaning me. <laughs> um, but but she she didn't feel safe. I mean that's huge. Yeah, that's like huge she had to tried understand. to
0: communicate and she just felt like she wasn't being heard in any way. Wow. So she asked okay. for help. Um, yeah. And how old is she? Sixteen. Okay. So she is right. older. But okay. I'm, I mean, these sort of situations come up from all sorts of things with our kids. They
1: do, yeah. And, and so j- for parents who have younger children, you know, your child is not necessarily going to come and say, I don't feel respected in my extracurricular <laughs> class because I want to know what options I have. Um, they may ju- they may just act out. huh. Right? They, they may just say they don't want to go off. there. So we yes. were picking up on her body
0: language the night before yeah. this class. When this yeah. class would come up on her schedule, that the night before she was an angsty person.
1: Yeah. Okay, so that's great that you're you're paying attention to her body language, and that's helping her to pay attention to her body mm-hmm. language as well. And and you could even tell her, you know, it's, I noticed that you were walking around the house and your shoulders were tight or whatever it was, and so that she can see, oh yeah, when I feel that sensation in my shoulders, that means something isn't right for me, and and I can ask for help in in getting that need met. Yeah. So, um, so how, how was she feeling in when she was, uh, explaining that to you? Do you think? And, and, and how was she feeling about the class? Um, so
0: I think she was frustrated mm. when she got what the other option would be. Okay. Um,
1: and what are the options? Just so that we can, oh,
0: she could either continue in the class or move it to, an online scenario where she's stuck in a boring classroom yep. with new kids. She doesn't know again. Right. Okay. Um, okay. So, so she's frustrated. Both options felt bad <laughs> to her. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So she's feeling frustrated. Um, maybe a little overwhelmed as well. Like it, it, probably if, if, yeah, yeah. All right. If our need for respect is not being met, it can feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, there's a teacher in, in this scenario as well, and mm-hmm. we don't know how they're feeling and what their needs are. Right. Uh, it's, Possible that it's a big class and they're struggling to c- convey all the ideas they're supposed to convey and uh, their need for competence in, in being a t- good teacher is not being met.
0: Right. Um,
1: and that's why they're using these, uh, this language or whatever was happening that mm-hmm. your daughter was receiving as a lack of respect. I'm also curious about what was coming up for you when your daughter is describing this to you. Well,
0: on some level, I was surprised that she thought she could have a change. There mm-hmm. was this old school kind of like, are you sure? Like, we can just suck it up. It's not that many yeah. more days. Yeah. Um, and then the other reaction when she didn't like the B choice that was given was like, I've wasted all my time. Like, I put my neck out and I made so mm-hmm. many phone calls here. I, mm-hmm. You've wasted my time now.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so frustration from you as well then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, any anger there about wasting all that time and energy and effort? Um, embarrassment,
0: egg on my face, yeah. right? Like more of a yeah. like, ugh, I asked for a favor yeah. and yeah. I knew it was an unusual request. And, yeah. and now you're just going to like make, I have to go say, no, <laughs> we don't want yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Super. Um, okay. And so we, we identified a couple of her needs already. Uh, she wants to feel safe. She mm-hmm. wants to feel respected. Are yeah, and she wants ease. I think ease. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and she, also some sense of uh, connection with others, right? Because you mentioned that the right. online class, wasn't yeah, work that because that was because like
0: the oh, yeah. but I do have a friend in that one class. Like this one person who I barely talked to in that class mm-hmm. might be mad at me later. <laughs> right.
1: Okay. And then it, maybe also a need for learning, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the class is. Does she, does she, does she like the class and what she's learning? No, it?
0: no, it's just oh, one of the, okay. the things that
1: you have to do sort of classes. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so there, there are needs in there as well, yep. right? Maybe for. <laughs> Uh, grade point averages and they're right for yeah you, you don't want to well.
0: right and that was where the challenge came up was there was a missing assignment that she couldn't get erased and it ended up as an incomplete and then she couldn't mm-hmm. advocate for herself mm-hmm. um because
1: the person wasn't listening mm-hmm. so yeah that's okay. where it all started mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i'm getting a flashback to our previous conversation <laughs> where we talked about procrastination <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. And how hard it has been for you to navigate procrastination
0: yes. in your life. Yes. I, um, I proudly wave the, I'm a type B person. I'm going to roll with the punches and I'll do it in the mm-hmm. crunch. Um, but how I don't want my kids to live in that stress point.
1: Right. Yeah. Because there's so much shame in being perceived as a procrastinator, mm-hmm. as somebody who can't get it together. On time, do yep. the required work. Yeah. And so you're trying to protect your child from experiencing that hurt and shame.
0: Yes. And then inner judgment of like everyone else can do it.
1: Yeah. This is a flaw on my behalf mm-hmm. and something I have to fix. Yeah. So all of that is there. <laughs> Absolutely. As we're talking there are about, so many layers, yeah. Jen. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it seems like it should be so simple like just just take the flipping class for goodness sake it's only a few yeah. more sessions Why yeah like just
0: deal?
1: come on man yeah. you never have to yeah. take this class again just yeah <laughs> um it, and if we don't identify all of our needs in this situation then it's it's much harder to find a solution that actually works mm-hmm. because if Like, for example, if we had not talked previously and I had not suddenly had (laughs) a flash of recollection about procrastination and that was there, but it wasn't acknowledged, then we might come up with a potential solution and you might even think, yes, that will work. And you try it. And then, and then the procrastination thing is still there underneath. The yep. need isn't met. And it's like, this doesn't work. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 my need is not being met. And I don't really know why. Cause I don't know what my need is, <laughs> but I just know this isn't working. Yep. <laughs> so, um, so that's why it's so important to firstly work at the level of needs. And secondly, to, to really get as many of them out on the table as we can. And you don't have to tell your child right now, all the ways that procrastination has made your life hard, right? That could yeah. be a different conversation if you choose. But you have to be honest with yourself that it's there. Yeah. Um, and then you can actually work towards finding solutions that work for both of you. So, um so you may be somewhat constrained in this in the, in that the, there's a third party involved. If it's a situation yeah. with just you and your child, there's right. many more options available <laughs> on the table. Right. Um, and that's where the
0: some of the stress came from, right? Was yeah. pushing up yeah. against an authority figure for yeah. both of us and asking yeah. that other person for help.
1: Yeah. And so one thing you could have done is uh before you go and ask for help is to really think about what are our needs in this situation and, Is the, the proposal that we're making here actually going to meet both of our needs? Mm -hmm. So if, uh, if we had thought in advance, oh, we could take this online course, then maybe your child Ben would have said, but none of my friends are in that online class and it'll, it'll be really boring. And that's not going to meet my need for connection and and collaboration. Right. So, so then we might have known in advance that that's not going to work for us. And maybe we could have surfaced a different potential option that actually could meet our needs. Um, in this particular situation, given that it's already halfway through and there's somebody else involved in it, it's possible we're not going to find a solution that meets everybody's needs. And at that point, we're, we're acknowledging that and we're mm-hmm. saying, okay, what, what is, what is the solution that meets most of our needs that we can work towards and that yep. we can acknowledge? Yeah. I have an unmet need here. I'm going to take this online class. It's not meeting my need for connection. I'm going to meet my need for connection in some other way. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to right after this class, I'm going to make sure that I schedule time to chat with a friend so that um the the friend who's in the in-person mm-hmm. class. <laughs> yeah. And maybe I can meet my need for connection that way. Yeah. So that the actual the option that you choose does not have to be the perfect option. Right. But that it can meet as many of our needs as possible. And then we can look for other ways to meet our other needs, just like you t- did the yoga in the playground as a different way, a different strategy for meeting your need for movement than going for a run.
0: Because there's probably very rarely the perfect option that happens.
1: It's much more likely when there's just the two of you. And because then you can genuinely be open to a, a much wider variety super, of options. Yeah. yeah. When there's the infinity a, an authority of figure <laughs> and a defined structure, like a company that uh-huh. operates in a certain way, <laughs> and you're asking for special favors, then it starts to get harder. Yeah. That's yeah, good. But you to always know. have options. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and that was, I think, that was my, I think, motivation to try to, once I got over the suck it up attitude, I was, well, I really do want her to learn how to advocate here mm-hmm. and to know that if we don't ask, it's already a no, mm-hmm. that there might be an option. Um, and after she wrestled with it and, um, she had a conversation with my husband who pointed out her need for ease and how angsty she is. um, He asked her to consider all the options and she did end up choosing the online option. Um And so we'll see how it rolls out. But yeah. there was a moment of like, I can't believe you did this to me. And then I had yeah. to take a deep breath and yeah. not explode on her because yeah. I wanted her to ask for help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's huge progress for you, right? That that you <laughs> you saw that moment, you saw your brain going into all uh-huh. these unhelpful thoughts yeah. that were catastrophizing how hard her life is going to be mm-hmm. because she's never going to figure out how to advocate for yeah. herself. And you didn't lecture her. <laughs> no, no, but she,
0: she pointed out my tone of voice. So that also helped, right? With bigger kids, um, I remember mm-hmm. teaching my little kids how to do that too. They would have a code word for me when mom sounded grumpy. Yeah. And, um, and so now they're used to pointing out when mom yeah. doesn't notice how she's sounding. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so it doesn't cool. feel awesome in the moment when you're reminded that you don't sound how you want to sound. Yes. But,
1: but it's an incredible source of information to mm-hmm. hear, mom, I'm, I'm perceiving this in a way that is, is feeling hurtful to me. Yeah. Even if you're not intending that. Yeah. Like, and that gives what, you a moment.
0: What that child perceives as yelling is nowhere yes. what I would ever consider yelling. Yes. Yeah. Which took it, a long time to get to.
1: Yeah, it's not the volume, it's the hardness, mm-hmm. right? In, in, in your voice that they're responding to. And sometimes the word comes out is you're yelling at me and you're like, I'm not yelling at you. Yelling. <laughs> that is the circle <laughs> we've
0: been in. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but they perceive it in that way that's difficult for them to receive. And then mm-hmm. they're not listening to your words. They're not listening to your lecture about how they need to get on top of this. They're uh-huh. completely disengaged to protect themselves, just like you disengaged mm-hmm. to protect yourself <laughs> when your parents lectured you about this. So, so having that code word between you is so important to interrupt that and and use it as a cue to pause, breathe, reconnect <laughs> yeah. what are my values uh, what, what are my needs here How can I help you meet your needs and meet our needs as well? I am
0: so thankful that you th- realized you had no parenting intuition. <laughs> Like, I know that feels <laughs> odd to say, but both conversations in the and of listening to your podcast, like I have picked up on things and I'm like, oh, because of her open mindedness of trying to figure this out, I see this in a different way instead of just going with my assumptions here. And so I just yeah. want to tell you, thank you,
1: Jen. Thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something I've been leaning into. We were chatting before the show that, um, I very recently have an, an autism self-diagnosis and, and I've been talking about it on the podcast and somebody reached out to me recently and said, you know, I, I knew you were autistic when I started listening. Sort of the, the deep dives into the research and the willingness to buck the, the norms. <laughs> characteristics of all my favorite people. And (laughs) so, um, yeah, so, so I think that, that that's a real gift to see how things could be different Mm -hmm. from the way that we were raised. And yeah, it's sort of my, my passion to, to help parents see, oh yes, this really can be different and here's how to do it.
0: That's, I'm just so thankful. Where, so your podcast is called Parenting Mojo.
1: Your Parenting Mojo. Your
0: Parenting Mojo. Okay. And where else can they find you online, Jen?
1: Yeah, so your parenting mojo is, is really where most stuff fl- flows through. I am on social media. I, I'm not very good at social media. <laughs> um, but I do have a resource for your listeners because oh, I, I know that uh, one of the most common reasons that parents feel triggered is because their child doesn't listen to them <laughs> <laughs> and so i have a free cheat sheet called 13 reasons why your child doesn't listen and what to do <laughs> about each one that really uh, walks you through a lot of the tools that we've talked through here today and that's available for free awesome and it's at your forward slash keep calm mother on awesome thank you
0: and and every episode here wraps up with a self-care idea and a family fun idea. So what are you doing for self-care right now, Jen?
1: Uh, for self-care, um, we are actually very much leaning into being outdoors, doing new things that my daughter's interested in. And right now she's very much interested in mushroom hunting. Awesome. (laughs) She doesn't like to eat the mushrooms, but she likes to find them. And, uh, and very often I get poison oak. So then that's fun afterwards as well. But (laughs) Um, but there's something about being outdoors with your eyes scanning the ground yeah. that very much, uh, feels the same way I think that you experienced when you were looking at the object in front of you. Yeah. So it's a very grounding practice. Awesome. Is that your family fun too? Just being outside and exploring? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and being present with each other, right? So, so many of the struggles we have happen when we're multitasking, when we're trying mm-hmm. to do more, one, more than one thing at once. And so m- I think the, the way that we try to have fun with with each other is really do one thing at a time (laughs) and when we do that everything even just hanging out in the house becomes more fun as well
0: absolutely when we can give our full attention to someone it -hmm. feels like a real gift
1: it it is it is that it feels like a gift because it is a gift
0: well thank you and um yeah thank you for helping me figure out needs again Like I said, last time we recorded this, I went and had like a major chat fest over text message. Like, I can't believe this. Like you should go check out her blog and her podcast. And, and what do you think about this idea? And my friends were like, yeah, that's obvious or no. So I can't (laughs) wait to hear how people receive the idea that moms have to be human. All parents get to have needs. And it's really important to start with what do you need?
1: It's it's the, the key to everything, it really is. Thank you. You're welcome, Christy. It's great to be here.
0: I hope you go check out Jen's podcast. And don't forget to listen and leave her a rating and review, along with leaving Keep Calm Mother On a rating and review. You are exactly the right mom for your kids, even if it doesn't feel like it. And I hope you have a good enough day.